Hello and welcome to this episode of Saved by the Belial, an atrocious Ultraman podcast. The show where we only have three minutes to talk about an episode of Ultraman. My name's Chris. I'm David. And I think there's no one else in the room today, right? Just us? Uh, nope. We're good. Well, that we know of. <laughs> Just <Yeah>. mic'd up. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. Well, well, in light of that, then, I wanted to talk about a recent development in my life. Oh, okay. Uh, about a very important kaiju movie I just watched. Oh. Um, much lauded. It had a little bit of a troubled production, and it made it to theaters really late. Which one was that? It's called uh, The Tomorrow War. What? <laughs> yeah, did I watch an Amazon Prime movie before I watched uh, King Kong versus Godzilla? <laughs> I sure did. What is this? Yeah. The Tomorrow it's, um, War. Basically, in this movie, Chris Pratt is, oh. he plays Chris Pratt. <laughs> and he's pulled to the future to fight these aliens. Okay. And anyway, this is when I realized that, one, I'm a terrible Toku fan. Mm-hmm. And also, Toku has ruined monster movies for me. Because the whole time that they're, like, gunning down these aliens, I was like, you know, Ultraman would talk to this guy first. Right. Like, why, w- why would you shoot them? Maybe they're good people. And to be fair, well, my first thought was, like, Godzilla, uh, 1998, but also 1961 and 44 all ruined. Um, 44. <laughs> all of them ruined, um, like, monster movies for me. But they actually kind of they kind of dealt with that. My objections about just... Randomly killing kaiju, which I was kind of surprised by. Huh. I'd also recommend that aside from Alex and Eric, no one watch this movie. Okay. But also if Alex and Eric watch it, I can listen to that episode. Okay. Then uh, Oh, that's also that's also an update. I finally listened to my first Monsters vs. Men, which you can subscribe for five dollars a month to their Patreon. Was it so specific rim, right? It was specific rim. I, I switched through and of all the guts non Godzilla ones. Those are the only two I haven't seen. You, uh, or the those are the only two that I've seen. Yeah, have you watched uh, Pacific Rim: The Black? No, it's the anime that came out this year. It's actually no, really I good. Not. It's really good. I, if you asked me when it came out or if it had come out, my answer would be like the Pacific Rim, Rim anime question mark. I'm just saying it's pretty good. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks for doing the introduction. I thought we should switch that up a little bit and. Glad to hear that Literally. Chris Pratt is still pratting around, you know, he's, uh, oh my gosh. I guess he's good for that. <laughs> but uh, today we're not going to be discussing Chris Pratt after this. We're going to be talking about what? Ultra 7, episodes 11 and then 13 through 20, because episode 12 <laughs> decided to get itself banned from TV. So can't talk oh, about no. that one. But I see I had this great Pokemon joke lined up. But I'm like, I don't know the context of this one not coming out. So I'm like, is this Porygon causing seizures or something offensive? And so I can't make the joke. Yeah. Even though he just kind of did backwards. Yeah. You you still made the (laughs) joke. So. All right. So house clean before we get into the episodes. Chris, we have a new review. We sure do. And this one is from Gojira Master. Simply titled Ultraman. Exclamation (laughs) mark. Exclamation mark. Yeah, so they say that Godzilla and Ultraman have made a huge mark in my life, and it is so great to hear you guys pay proper respect to the mostly unknown hero known as Ultraman. 
Unlike other podcasts, wink, wink, you guys appreciate <laughs> Ultraman for what it is. You don't constantly talk about the small, mostly unnoticed flaws. You bring real subjects to the table and always treat Ultraman how it should be treated. Thank you for making an amazing podcast. P.S. Can't wait for the next episode. Well, you're in luck because we also can't wait for the next episode. Yeah. And um, we're, we're very happy. It's amazing. Yeah. Thank you very and much. And we won't say it out loud that the reason we don't point that out is because one of us is about as observant as a brick and wouldn't notice those anyway. You know what? A brick can be observant when it needs to be. So let's not discriminate. <laughs> It's a foundational insight you just made there. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> listener feedback. Don't really have much this time around. Um, you know, just kind of one of those things where if I just shared all of the emails about how horrible people we are, that, that mm-hmm, would just be a mm-hmm. podcast in itself. So we're just not going to do that. Look for that bonus episode in a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we... Uh, it's called Ultra Bad. I just want to reiterate how much fun it was to have Kyle on for the last episode. I've been going through and editing that one just piece by piece because I want to savor it. And it's just so <laughs> much fun. Yeah, he was a blast. We've we've had a lot. We've been very blessed to have a lot of great people. Yeah. But that one kind of every time we have someone new on, there's always maybe that underlying like, I don't know. But right. when I think that one gelled really well, Yeah, it did. So. Definitely excited Alex for that. Alex Merrick, you're still mostly our favorites, but competition. I know. You just <laughs> uh, you just got to switch it up a little bit, right? But Yeah, maybe it should be men versus monsters next time. You know, they, they are finishing up their 21st century monster madness thing, and I, I am very disappointed. I haven't finished their newest episode yet, but I'm disappointed that uh, the ritual did not make it to the final finals because... That was a really good movie. I was very impressed by that. Um, I think it should have gone farther. And I really hope they do The Meg because The Meg is just such a fun movie. I was also surprised by a glaring omission from the finals. It was Stephanie Myers, the host. Well, where was that? Bong Joon Ho's the host made it. Bong Joon Ho's. Well, that's, well, I don't, that's the remake. Oh, yeah, you're right. (laughs) My bad. My bad, Chris. (laughs) Oh man. All right. So we're going to start here with episode 11. Chris, if you could just go ahead and get this show going. Oh, I really will. The show a goa. How many times are we going to make that joke? Anyway, uh, episode 11 Fly to Devil Mountain. As a powerful lightning storm rages, a terrifying golden dragon descends from above the clouds, seen by no one, not even the Ultra Guard's radar. Worse still, it portends of a mass dying off among young people. <laughs> so how the two are connected is unclear. As Soga and Dan hunt for radiation and other factors that could contribute to the deaths, when a camera-like weapon takes aim at Dan. Sensing the danger, <laughs> Dan quickly turns and draws his weapons, but he is too late. One click, and he falls over dead. Do you know what the monster's name is? Uh, no. Nurse. Nurse. Oh, my gosh. Nurse or nothing. That's funny. No. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Such a weird monster, though. Like, is it an alien? Like, is it a robot? You know, it's like just flailing around. It, it reminds me a lot of Monda from Atragon and then obviously some of the other Godzilla movies. Just no. Yeah, it's a very, like, articulated robot, if yeah. anything else. 
I have noticed just, okay, I have two comments. I'll make this first one that's still related. Just, I love all the stringedness going on in this season. Lots of, like, marionette aliens going on. Oh, yeah. So, I thought that was pretty cool. But I've been really curious, this uh, digression into, like, a very robot-centric series that Ultra 7 is. Especially these couple episodes will have quite a few. It's definitely playing into that sci-fi a lot more than just like your generic mom, not generic, but yeah, it, I was going to say this for a later episode, but it really makes me wonder like what would have happened if this just would have remained its own show, right? Like it wasn't tied into the rest of the universe. Cause you can tell hmm. like they definitely wanted to make this a different show than Ultraman. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's worse off for having to, you know, shoehorn it into the Ultraman universe but yeah there's just there's a lot here that it's just drastically different than what we got the first time around yeah well and sometimes I don't know if you've I don't know if you've had any reason to hear the most recent Imagine Dragons a single that was just released (laughs) which is I know one of the strangest diversions but um oh man there's so many reasons that one works but um I was just like the their vocals are the same, but their sound is completely different. Mm-hmm. And this is also like their I don't know probably seventeenth album. It all sounds the same to me except for now. But I, I kind of appreciate when a franchise can take such diversions so quickly. Yeah, because that if they if I guess you're saying they might want to might have wanted to do a different show, but when shows can go from season one to season two with such a huge gap and let such a variety of other shows follow up the original. I love that compared to like shows that are like seasons one through 10 are all the same. And then mm-hmm. season 11 suddenly gets magic or like arrow <laughs> when it was like um, Oliver was just kicking people's butt. And then he beats Damien dark with the power of friendship or some. Yeah. Let's not like talk that. about arrow. That's a soft that's, <laughs> that's a tough spot for me. Um, I do have to ask, do you oh think it's gosh. a little dark that they didn't even discuss that? Like they thought these people were dead. And, like, did they cremate them? Did they bury them? <laughs> There's no time in the episode. There's so much going on. I'm just saying. Like, I, I, I was a little concerned they didn't address that. That's all right. <laughs> Leave all right. The vultures. Episode 13. Well, technically, you have the odd numbers, Chris, so you're just going to go ahead and do this one, too. Wait, so why don't you why don't you fill me and our dear listeners in? What happened? like I guess I I like I could go on Ultra Wiki, but then I'd I'd have to do something. So yeah. what happened? So here's the problem with Ultra Wiki is it's not necessarily the most reliable source. Um I've noticed that it's not probably not properly vetted the same way that like the Godzilla wiki and stuff like that is. Um, but if we were to go off of the wiki, it is called from a planet with love and the trivia on here, which again, take it with a grain of salt. Uh, this episode was banned in Japan that rhymed because it Mm -hmm. offended the Hibakusha. So those were the victims of the atomic bombings due to the design of the alien spell, which resembles an atom bomb survivor complete with the Keloid scars. Uh, the Hibakusha oh were uh, subject to terrible discrimination in Japan, and the episode was regarded to be in poor taste. 
However, the episode was shown in the TNT English dub, and then the episode was omitted when the show was released on DVD and Blu-ray in the United States. So, Well, that's probably for the best, then. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like I remember wonder... when we talked about Matongo. It was kind of similar to that. It, it, yeah, it did get I... banned, but I think it wasn't uh, had some pushback on it because of that. Yeah, I wonder if this was a case of, like, well-intentioned but just fell flat type thing. But mm-hmm. that, I mean, that's if this is accurate anyway. But yeah, well, it's good to know. I this was one of the ones I have the steel book for. So like I was telling you before the show, I was flipping around trying to find it, trying to figure out what the heck is going on. <laughs> so you could have asked awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, I sure could have. <laughs> well, but then I was like, then I was like, hey, worst case scenario, IBS for three minutes. Uh <laughs> No. Um, all right. So episode 13, the man who came from Common Rider V3. Two of you will get that. A rogue extraterrestrial ship near Earth causes space station V3 to launch a trio of fighters to intercept it. The alien craft makes quick work of two of the fighters, but the last, piloted by Captain Kirada, puts up a better fight, hurting his pursuer down to Earth and draining its stores of fuel. Attempting to find Kirada, who has lost contact with the base, Furuhashi and Amagi are shot down by the camouflaged alien ship, along with Kirada, who manages to parachute to safety. This episode has a lot of great miniature work. That is the one thing about this series in particular is they definitely lean into a lot of monster fighting with the buildings and the spaceships and everything Mm -hmm. else. And I'm just sitting here and being like, I don't care for this episode, but it's very <laughs> fun to watch. If, yeah, I agree with that. It Well, and I, I kind of noticed, I think the next two episodes will have a little more to say about the miniature work, but mm-hmm. um, or at least I will. But yeah, this one definitely felt like kind of early, early series. Wasn't like a ton of exciting things going on. It was just kind of like happening. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, I was sitting here and I'm like, you know, I think if this would have been fleshed out a bit, it would have been a really interesting sci-fi movie, mm-hmm. right? It's just, like, the the darker music, like, it has a really interesting tone, but by and large, I just, I don't know, it just didn't really work for me. Because, um, mm-hmm. I mean, even with, like, the monster, it's, like, this weird little, like, I don't know how you would even explain it, like, a little bat bird yeah penguin thing i I don't even know had like octopus suction cups on its head yeah i i was having a hell of a time trying to google that to get its name (laughs) but um yeah i will give i will give ultra seven some credit because with the original series i was getting a little like bored of all the it's a lizard but it's big it's a big lizard so there's been some more creative stuff here i think when we choose our favorite kaiju design We'll have a we'll have a few like good mm-hmm. good choices. So I I don't know. I just watched this one and it's like, yeah, it's a pretty typical sci-fi episode. Not a lot about it that's like totally Ultraman. And yeah. Is that really like a bad thing necessarily? It's not always fair to say like was was every episode like top notch, especially no, 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 fifty episode series. But Yeah, it, it's one of those things because like you're right. I I don't think it's fair to expect like a banger every single time 
but it's just one of those things where, yeah, it would be nice, (laughs) you know, but because there are those moments where like, you know, you have Captain Kiriyama, like he's willing to trust the aliens and, you know, not attack them after giving them the fuel. Right. And like, is that Mm -hmm. the best approach? Probably not. But it just shows like his code of ethics. And and I can appreciate that. I like yeah. that about him. Um, so there there are things about this episode I like. It's just, I'll be honest, the stretch of episodes was kind of tough for me. It was kind of nice. Like I like the human element in this show. Mm-hmm. Everyone's getting flushed out, including Dan. Yeah. <laughs> so especially Dan. Wow. Uh, episode 14, The Ultra Guard Goes West. Part one. A slate of murders, all committed against Westerners visiting Japan. It rocks the nation. Commander Manabe calls the UG and reveals the terrible truth. Each of these disparate Westerners were, in fact, members of the TDF's clandestine science team that launched an observation rocket to... See, keys, I, I, I guess they're going west, so I need to talk like they're going. Well, that's south. Never mind. Uh, observation <laughs> rocket to the planet Payton. Payton? Uh, I'm just... Pedon. The Pedon people, interpreting the rocket as an act of uh, aggression and refusing to negotiate, have sworn retaliation and began assassinating people that could help prepare for their eventual assault. This was such a strange, like... I haven't knowing King Joe from Ultraman Z. This was not what I would have expected mm-hmm. from King Joe earlier. <laughs> and you can definitely see the guy in the King Joe suit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. This whole, um, <laughs> I love it. Like they switch from the, um, the really like the really wobbly, like connection, little transformer bit. He does when all of his pieces come together, Megazord style. And then it's just like a person standing there, arms out. Like, it's like, oh, I see. Oh, it's so good. It's so And good. I love it because, like, King Joe suddenly gains, like, joints and ligaments after the after the Megazord process. That's like, it just looks like robot. And then it's like, well, where did it's where did all that body parts come from? Where, where were those when you were being built? Science. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, like, connect. And, yeah. I just love it. Such a funny little... Yeah. Funny little quirk. Did you think it was interesting at the very beginning, the guy that we eventually learned to be the spy, like you see him do the sign of the cross after the explosion or whatever, and then he goes to a Catholic church or like, yeah, he's stalking someone at, outside of the Catholic church. I'm like, what's happening? Yeah, I don't want to be pedantic about it, uh, but... Uh, <laughs> I did. I did. I was like, I was like, where's Pre? Where's Pre? Let's get Pre's <laughs> opinion on this one. Just have a jump on for this one. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, is my theological point that Jesus didn't die for aliens? I don't know. But <laughs> how did you? Uh, how did you feel about the the inevitable twist though about faux Dorothy? Oh gosh, yeah. Um, well, anytime that someone's brought in, that's. Uh, clearly different one way or another. I was like, hmm, new character of this episode. Hmm, white woman. I wonder what's going to go in <laughs> on that one. Are we watching Get but, Out? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. King, collecting King Joe for customs. But, um, yeah, I, I just, like, 
I was kind of caught up more in like it's an obvious twist. It's a kid show. It's fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of liking this concept of like well placed assassinations to prevent what they thought was an invasion instead of like a war force. So I was like, that probably has some kind of real world analog, and I just don't know if history to know about it. But so that's kind of an interesting kind of concept for the episode. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely an interesting episode. I really like this two parter. I just I'm sitting here and I wish that the spy, you know, he's reeling in the fishing rod, right? I uh-huh. wish he just been in, would have been like, I finally reeled you in, but he didn't. <laughs> Wasted opportunity. Like, why would you have that prop if you weren't gonna make the joke? Yeah, I know. That's what I say. You don't. Our viewers at home don't see all the props that I use. Mm-mm. But um, <laughs> or even like I so, lured you in, right? I mean, come on. Something. Right. It's, you gotta do something. Yeah. It's fishy if you don't. Mm-mm. But um, it's a bunch of carp. So, oh gosh. Uh, so episode 15 is part two of the Ultra Guard Goes West. Ultra 7, though suffering heavily, <laughs> manages to pull himself up to stop King Joe, who retreats to recuperate. Dorothy proposes a bomb made with a compound called Rylon 30, which can weaken the metal that composes King Joe. The resulting bomb is more than effective freezing up the robot's joints and causing it to begin to breaking down. As the Payton put on... You look at it. There's like... You want to read it one way, it sounds better a different way. Yeah. Someone's going to be very Uh, pedantic, like you said about it. Yeah, honestly. We were probably both chomping at the bit to read that one, um, (laughs) that joke. But as the aliens try to escape in a saucer, Ultra 7 destroys it with his wide shot. Revealing that humans can deal with their weapons now, ending the threat for now. These descriptions are slightly better written, but they still have some kind of oddities like I know. having now within three words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I just, I love <laughs> that the monster death here, or I guess the robot death, um, mm-hmm. is science. Like, here, we're going to conveniently learn how to science this solution in, like, two minutes. But, um, it's just, (laughs) Bill Nye couldn't even do that. I know, man. That's not why I learned. Although, to be fair, the Ultra Guard is now on a list because they probably Googled that. And um, now they're being watched. (laughs) Oh, aren't we all? Aren't we all? Well, these days. But anyway, my, um... I did. I did like the kind of. I mean, Ultra Ultra Seven does like do the wide shot and blow up the saucer, but I did kind of appreciate the science take on the finale. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that was an interesting one because I wonder. I've I've been really curious to see. Like, it's really curious when sci-fi like this brings in science slash pseudoscience because I don't know if this Rylon Thirty is a real thing or not. <laughs> you could tell me that it is. You could tell me it's on the table of. Um, I almost said the table of contents. Whatever that one is. <laughs> the periodic <laughs> table. Yeah, that one. <laughs> I occasionally forget it periodically. Um, <laughs> but I just... <laughs> I, I might have to do the show solo. Um, I always I always love this pseudoscience, though. Yeah. That was fun. Uh, but um, can we talk about the little... I, the the ships in the harbor or whatever, and then like the UN fight. Yeah, it's amazing. This is some of the best miniature work they've done so far. Such funny senses of scale. Like mm-hmm. I was dying, and um, I almost picked, I almost picked a 
for my best uh, aim for its butthole one was when they're like slowly cropping around King Joe real slow to avoid the laser. <laughs> and then Dan's sitting on the ground just shooting, like just standing there. But um, I just, I have the sense of scale was so much more intimate. Like I still got the sense of their size, mm-hmm. but I didn't need a city scope behind it. Yeah. It was like those ships were such a good touch. Oh, I absolutely. really liked it. Absolutely. Yeah, I think my favorite part about this, apart from the miniatures, was the conversation between Foe Dorothy and Dan. You know, just this whole, like, uh, peeking into someone's house and throwing stones is against the rules. Like, yes, she ended up lying, right? I mean, she wasn't being truthful Mm -hmm. about, excuse me, she wasn't being truthful about upholding her end of the bargain. But she isn't wrong. I mean, we, we don't necessarily think about the cost of all of this progress and i, I mm-hmm. love that we have two stories or two plot lines back to back about this it's just like maybe we need to think about what we're doing mm-hmm. so i can appreciate that once in a while maybe we should yeah all right Ep- mm-hmm. episode 16 the eye that shines <laughs> in the darkness cherry blossom nine a probe sent to study the far-off planet Anon has returned to Earth after disappearing for three months. Elsewhere, an oft-bullied boy named Hiroshi, oft-bullied, uh, returns <laughs> to a local playground from Mount Hades. I don't feel like that's actually the name that we saw It's the like show. It's like um, Tolkien naming it Mount Doom. It's like, should we go to Mount Hell? <laughs> yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Where he has found a strange, smooth stone. Bullies attempt to wrest the stone from him, only to suddenly double over in pain, though Hiroshi is curiously unaffected. Later, the boy drops the stone into the boiling sulfur. It recombines and forms the Saurian Anon, Anon, Q, Anon, causing a landslide that that knocks Dan and Hiroshi out. For a boy who gets bullied, it's amazing that it's not Anon that bullies him the most. Like, if anyone's sending me, like, cyberbully messages, it's anonymous on Reddit or on Yahoo Answers. But, I mean, really, Anon was the most bully, like, being a bully, though, you know? Well, I, by virtue of using an oft-bullied child, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yes. it, was, it was horrible. But- it was like, you're not going to be strong doing this, and you made a promise, and if not, blah, blah, blah. And, I mean, super manipulative, and, yeah. Just, nothing good comes with the word Anon. I mean... Amen. That's so true. Yeah. I I did appreciate this one. I couldn't help but compare it to that ultra weird episode. Of, no pun intended. Uh, the ultra weird episode of Ultra Q with that boy and his uh, growing turtle that takes him off to imagination land that's, and that girl's on that swing or whatever. Anytime you talk about Ultra Q, that's the, always the episode you reference. <laughs> or was there even anything else in the show? I don't even know, man. But... Um, <laughs> I just, I just love this, like, I love this little uh, escape fantasy that uh, Toku, especially the Ultra franchise has of, like, uh, getting taken away by kaiju mm-hmm. into fantastic lands where you're not bullied. But I wonder, I don't have a, I don't really have a point here, but I'm going to say this out loud and you can take it and run with it like you normally do. Is that do. the subtitle of our show? We really don't have a point here. <laughs> well, <laughs> most nights. But... <laughs> I do just, I do have to, I do have to like sympathize with any character who like they're, they, they see the only chance of escape from their bullying. is mm-hmm. like kaiju or giant turtles. So I, I did like feel for Hiroshi here. Oh, for sure. So. For sure. 
I mean, just any form, I mean, really any form of using some kind of violence to try to fight back. I mean, it's very tempting, right? I mean, mm-hmm. obviously at this point, the kids weren't listening to him, you know? So of mm-hmm. course, yeah, you're going to jump all over that. I just find it interesting that the monster almost seemed to be more powerful outside of his body, right? Just, I mean, a oh, freaking giant eye popping up on the wall and like giving mm-hmm. everyone headaches and stuff like that and, you know, disabling people. I'm like, just do that. Why would man. you want a body? Yeah. Right. Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. I did want to make the comparison that you're all waiting for me to make. Wherein this is like an evil version of Destroy All Monsters. Hmm. I thought you were making like the Lord like, of the Rings co- reference or something. Oh, wh- why would I ever do that again in the same episode? <laughs> but I was just watching this. I was like, this is like, this is like the one. And then I had to like Google it because I always get those two mixed up. Mm-hmm. But I was like, a bullied kid needs a kaiju's help to not be bullied. But he turns out to be evil this time. That's bad. You're talking about all monsters attack? Dang it, I messed it up again. I wonder how many Godzilla movies I can... Um, inaccurately name in the same episode. <laughs> the sky's the limit. <laughs> uh, sky Dawn. Put that in for Eric. Um, <laughs> you mean Alex? Alex. <laughs> Dang it. Godzilla movies. That one was on purpose. Previous hosts. Whatever. Uh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Alright. Alright. Let's go. Episode 17. Underground. Go. 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 Power Rangers. Wait. Mine After says deep in-, in the earth. Go. 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 Yours says underground. Go. 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 Or that's yeah. what the picture there. Oh. Weird. Yeah. Huh. I didn't even notice um, that. This isn't the first time that I've seen some of these differences. It's kind of funny. But... Hmm. Yeah, so this is, um, or at least we have Go, Go, Go in common. So after Kaven traps the miner, the UG arrives to help local authorities rescue the man, who has been dubbed the Miracle Man, after surviving numerous sim- numerous similar incidents. All these run-on sentences, man. The explanation jogs Stan's memory of a fateful event when he met Jiro. Dan witnessed the Jiro cut his own climbing rope to save his friend from falling with him during a previous accident. The Jiro. Convinced of... Yeah. yeah. Um, convinced of humanity's potential for kindness and self-sacrifice by this act, the being that would be known as Ultra 7 saved the man, taking on his form to experience life as a human. That description, like, touches on almost two minutes of that episode. Oh, seriously. <laughs> And it spends a run-on sentence to do all of it. Yeah. But I remember the first time I saw this episode, I was so confused because I'm like, that's Dan. But that's not Dan. And then I realized, <laughs> oh, it's Dan. Air quotes. Dan, yeah. Yeah, I was confused for a little bit watching this one. Like, thank God we have like subtitles to tell me who's speaking or not, but yeah, I was a little confused, but what did you? I mean, you you knew that Ultra Seven wasn't really a human, so like, how do you feel mm-hmm. about this being the way that Ultra Seven became a human? Like, how do you feel? What's your thought about it? I liked I liked it taking on this like dimension of like heroic sacrifice, mm-hmm. martyrdom becomes the basis for someone because the first one is framed as such a like just an accident, like. These two glowing orbs at a low speed chase ram into each other. And it's like, well, dang, we should probably combine. But 
I do like Sorry this. Sorry like, for killing you. Yeah. Whoops. My <laughs> <laughs> um, B. And I do. I just like this like propensity towards optimism about humanity that the Ultra series has, mm-hmm. and especially in this one because. I mean, I don't necessarily always share the same view, but Common Rider does have a lot of cynicism, so it is kind of nice seeing some of these, like, more. I like watching shows that like me. I like watching shows that I like the people. Mm-hmm. And, like, Ultra 7 says, like, hey, we all have the capacity for this. And so, like, we could all be a host for Ultra 7 Anyone can put on the mask, but I don't know. I liked it. I like this like optimistic take and I like this kind of twist on what's I'm sure going to be kind of the, since I don't really know how they all interact with the ultras and people. Mm -hmm. So I like this one. I think this one, if this one's unique, it'll be cool. If more kind of take this, that's fine. I think it's a good idea. What about you? Yeah. I mean, the only thing that bothers me about it is a, no one's looking at Dan and being like, huh, you look like Jiro. Well, true. That, and they mentioned that Jiro fell from the mountain or whatever a few days ago, but, like, we were on episode 17. Like, how does that work? But some of these are, like, crammed into a single day, actually. Yeah. He fights um, Mechlis in the morning and then uh, King Joe at night. I don't know. (laughs) But apart from that, yeah. It's it's a fun it's a fun backstory and I love the way that Dan is so resolute in saving Jiro. Like even if it proves yep. to be awkward. Episode 18, Escape Dimension X, or is it 10? Oh shoot, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, right. Ooh. Uh, it is Ooh. the day of the Ultra Guard's monthly exercises. <laughs> <laughs> that same dude ultra calisthenics uh, with the theme being skydiving oh man they've got a theme that's great that just every time I hear the word theme I think of Kelly like what's the theme <laughs> every time I think of monthly exercises I'm like that's so much I know <laughs> everything seems to be going smoothly until Amagi and Soga disappeared to a strange alternate dimension though they are eventually able to make contact the two groups of Ultra Guard agents, not Matt, <laughs> that's Return of Ultraman, soon discover that getting them back home may be impossible. Commander Manabe recalls a similar situation regarding an alien bell. These alien predators used a pocket dimension to capture prey. Alien bell, saved by the alien bell. Oh my gosh, if we have a podcast, we should name it after that. <laughs> you know, yeah, we, we probably should just rechange, you know, change our name at this point. Actually, just for this one episode, that could be funny. <laughs> but, um, I I did like this one uh, in terms of both being horror and sci-fi a little bit. Not mm-hmm. horror in the same like kind of shocking, scary one, but in the, um, just in the terms of like, this is such an interesting, like, predator-esque idea where what do you do? Like, normally you're caught in a web or you're caught in a hole, but when it's a pocket dimension, there's nothing you can do about that. No. No, there's not. So. Yeah. I do have a question for you. Yeah. Is it safe to call this specific episode Ultra Mondavision? <laughs> I've been waiting all day to tell you that one. Oh, my gosh. Uh, 
That's good. What's funny about this one is this is actually the episode when I first started watching Ultra 7 that got me to quit. I didn't like it the first Uh time around. But it was so bad you quit? It's not bad. I just, I got burned out. I mean, to be fair, this was, I think, right before Harlow was born, too. So obviously a lot going on. Yeah, I just, uh, it didn't work for me. And then now, a year later, as someone who feels like they have bugs crawling on them every second of the day, like, I can now relate to this episode with all of the the giant ticks. I'm like, yeah, that is my life. So, okay, you know. I just don't recommend watching this episode with headphones. It hurt really bad. Oh, gross. All the bell yeah. ringing and all that? Mm-mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, Mm-mm. sure. It was not fun. Well, I was watching on my Xbox the way Christopher Nolan intended. Um, <laughs> I do... Oh, man. I do wonder because Ultra 7 doesn't always seem to get like the best reviews all the time, so... I guess I'm not surprised you checked out here, but what did you find like that you liked better this time? Just the the franchise? Um, was it the show that pushed you to keep going? Yeah, I think part of it's just the podcast pushing me to go through. Um, but I think it's just also some of these episodes. Just if they don't work for me, that's fine. It's not that they're bad necessarily. I just I don't know. There's just this one was a lot better this time around. Um, but I think last time, I think I was just a little burned out, to be honest. That's fair. So. It is just hard to watch these series in general sometimes. Sometimes. Like, yeah. Reading while you're watching. You have to be watching. So, especially a uh, week before Global Panini comes around. I get it. What about a Global Panini? You can't say the word pandemic on TikTok. So. You can't? Everyone's. No. What? It removes your video. So you say like panini or pumpernickel. So. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it is kind of funny. I want a panini now. Did you ever watch the episode of Check It Out with Steve Brule where he makes a panini? No, I, I've i only seen as much as anyone who's seen the memes has seen. Okay. I'll make honestly. sure to link that one in the show notes. Okay, good. Episode 19, Project Blue. An I alien craft... Cr- <laughs> uh, you got 10 seconds before copyright. Uh, an alien craft crashes through the new barrier created by the TDF's Project Blue to keep invasion fleets out. Amagi contacts UG headquarters from Wait, the moon. Wait, is that Beyonce's kid? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Second or third one? Yeah, Project Blue. <laughs> Project Blue Knowles. Um, (laughs) So, reporting a bombing attempt from a disappearing creature. Professor Miyabe, the person in charge of Project Blue, is caught by alien Bado. Self-proclaimed emperors of the universe, they last visited the solar system before any life had evolved on Earth at all, annihilating any living things that existed at the time, rendering Pluto a barren waste. Can we just say that these are the most vile enemies that we've seen in Ultraman because they've knocked Pluto off of the acronym I used to remember, the the nine, now eight planets? I thought you were just going to say it because they remind you of butts. Well, they certainly remind me of butts. (laughs) But, (laughs) Alien Butto. Yeah. (laughs) God, we're such kids. 
<laughs> That's all right. That's oh, right. man. Freaking the monster, well, I guess the alien, uh, gets thrown to his death and just like bleeds profusely from his Oh, mouth. my God. It's so gross. Like, hello, hello, blood content warning on these last couple episodes, <laughs> especially this one. I was like, oh, my God. Hello, I've never Ultraman seen these trigger warning. Oh, I can't believe I missed that. I'll see myself <laughs> out. Jeez. That's funny. Yeah. What's with but all these? I did like, find that. Oh, go ahead. Well, I just, in general, I found it interesting that these are, like, um, just genuinely bad aliens. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no question that they're just, like, out to, like, kill. Like, somehow they got to Earth 6,000 years ago, the day before Adam and Eve, and trashed the place. Yeah. And, um, but honestly, like, they're, we're so used to Ultraman saying, like, oh, well, talk to them. Mm-hmm. You know, reason with them. They're looking for a home. They're, they've been exploited by some company or some science thing. But the, these are these are just bad aliens. They're, these are just bad dudes. They're Bado. So, yeah, very Bado. Well, yeah, I was like, is that is that on the nose or is that something that I just don't get? But yeah, but yeah I mean, even episode sixteen, you know, with the eye, like they were man, they managed to resolve that one without killing each other. But yeah, these guys are mm-hmm. just like Bado to the bone. So yeah, it's pretty bah, intense. Bah, bah. Uh, well, yeah, I just have to comment on like how many white women are in Ultra 7 now. It's mm, like, mm-hmm. they've taken over. It's like over. a veritable Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, all these disco <laughs> girls. But Live, laugh, ultra love. <laughs> <laughs> Episode title. <laughs> um, but I, I do have to give, you know, a special award this time around. It's for the most uh, overdramatic acting. And it goes oh, to no. Grace. Because it was just uh, so bad. Oh, my gosh. And... The funny thing is, I can't. Uh, this is this is my butthole award, so I'll have to say it later. But I, I'm not gonna say it now. We gotta save it. But I just <laughs> love like such a dark episode, and you've got that going on. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I know. It just feels like I mean, find the most like generic horror movie woman trope, and that is Grace. Uh huh. Oh my gosh, yeah. Last but definitely least, just kidding. (laughs) uh, Episode 20 Destroy Earthquake Epicenter X. There's a lot of X's. Or is it 10? Or 10. You're right. A pair of young women drive their car off the road when a flash of light blinds the driver. They find a beautiful and abnormally heavy pink mineral. Unfortunately, this is the precursor to a larger earthquake, one of many that have hit the area. For it to be found on the surface is a very bad sign, and the magma riser, the magma rise, they, okay, so they spelled it magma, R-I-Z-E-R, all is one word, interesting. Mm-hmm. A burrowing tank is prepared. Up on the surface, Sakagi reveals himself to be the sinister Chaplet, and he calls for Giradorus, his monster subordinate and the true source of the earthquakes. He was not playing around, I'll tell you that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> every tank, every mineral, every mineral digger thing mm-hmm. is just preparing me for lizard tank, Asaurus. Oh, you mean frog up tank? Later in the series. Yeah, frog tank. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this one was kind of a. This one was fine, but compared to the rest of the episodes, I was kind of feeling the same. Like, okay, well, 
It's a monster of the week. Yeah. That's okay. It was a lot Especially of, following the last one. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun towards the end. Like the first, yeah. like, let's say 25 minutes, the first 18, it's just kind of, uh, and then you get to the cabin and that's where it really starts getting good. Like, I love the professor who's like, Dan, answer when someone's calling you. I'm just, it's it's funny. He just all of a sudden becomes very paternal regarding uh, Anne. But yeah, it's just, Mm -hmm. there's not a lot with this episode. I mean, even messaging wise, there's not a lot. I mean, the thing that stands out to me the most is when they uh, light up Alien Chaplet and then he rolls down the hill on fire as like Ragdoll. Like, Mm -hmm. I'll forever remember that. But Oh, sure. Yeah, I just it it's it speaks to the show as a whole mm-hmm. when episodes like this stand out, not for being bad, but for being like themeless. Yeah. Or not having much to say. And that's not because it's a particularly bad episode. I think in most like superhero shows, this would be a fine like episode. Especially like I, I'm gonna say the A word again. Like an arrow sometimes. Just the um the enemy of the week just gets so boring, but you're mm-hmm. like, well, that's what has to happen when you have a 22 episode season. Yeah. So, but Ultraman does more often than not, in my opinion, from what I've seen, which is little is kind of these one-off episodes aren't as common, even in the long seasons, usually more of them have something to say than not. Yeah. You know and, what I mean? No, I agree. So with I'll you. give that credit for the, I'll give the show a lot of credit for that. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's weird to me because the, I guess the writer, obviously, you know, there's a lot there, but the, the director was the same as the last episode. And yeah, I mean, even with like the monsters, just there wasn't a whole lot there for me. Like mm-hmm. it was such a, you could see in the suit, like how much empty space it was, like stuff like that. I'm just like, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, obviously we're half little under halfway through the season. There's some really good episodes coming down the pipeline. Not sure. all of them. Like we said, not all of them are going to be bangers, but it's just, eh, it is what it is. It's fine. I'll take handfuls of non-bangers in a show that's mostly good. Yeah. I will agree with that. All right. It is awards time. Everyone's favorite part, except for Chris's theological insights, because I mean, that's my favorite part. So, Chris, who gets mm. your most beautiful kaiju award? Yes. Um, I, so I, I realized like after that maybe most beautiful is the wrong way to say it. So, um, I liked Bado's design in general the most. I thought it was kind of fun. I thought, especially for an evil, like just everything about it radiated evil. Mm-hmm. But, um, actually, uh, you know, when I just said like 20 minutes ago that I'm kind of bored of like big lizards. Yes. I kind of like Danans this time. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to throw a curveball. I'm going to, I'm going to contradict myself because I can contain multitudes. <laughs> <laughs> See, for me, there's a weird part of me that really liked the Muppet looking spiders from Escape Dimension mm, X. Mm-hmm. There's just oh honestly yes there was they would just not something be out of place. really interesting about that I just I've got to go with King Joe I mean mm. I know mm-hmm. it's kind of that low hanging fruit but that's just what I got to do so 
Bado's head is the low hanging fruit. Let the reader understand. <laughs> uh, Monster Graveyard Award. <laughs> I went with uh, Giradorus in that last episode. Like, I know it's not blood that comes out. But in the very mm. beginning, you would be forgiven for thinking it's just like blood gushing out of his head. Mm-hmm. And it's just mm-hmm. absolutely brutal. But it's really a heavy pink material. But um, <laughs> I I had to go with the Muppet Spiders, mostly because I was so happy when they died. <laughs> They're so creepy. That's kind of how I feel with real spiders. It's the only good spider is a dead one. Um, quote the Green Goblin. <laughs> But what did you think for the how in the heck did he get away with that? I didn't actually do a transformation this time. I did oh, it you with... you fudged too. What's that? You fudged too. Oh, yeah, I fudged. So I went with Dan riding up at the end of episode 11 with the Western version of the Ultra 7 theme playing. Uh, okay, okay. Um, I, in terms of transforming... King Joe's just cracks me up too much to not talk about. Mm-hmm. But, um, and, and this is just, okay, so this next one isn't really like a, uh, how in the heck did he get away with it transformation? But I died during that low, that slow, that slow motion one when Dan runs to the center of the runway to transform, like really slowly. Are you I don't know why that one just. Are you talking about the one with uh, the King Joe episode? Yeah, yeah. And it looks like he's dabbing. Yeah, and he has to find his that. way right to the he he has he there's like that circle that shows exactly where he needs to stand, mm-hmm. and he misses it. <laughs> um, everything about that one just cracked me up. Yeah, and it wasn't a it wasn't a fun or an interesting one, but it was notable. So. I just thought that one was funny because it's like they all drive off, and it's like how did he convince everyone to leave him there? Well, it, yeah, honestly. So maybe it was a how to get away with it. <laughs> what was your uh, aim for its butthole award? Okay, the overacting um, was a good one. I wanted to just kind of take all of that in here. Mm-hmm. But uh, you did remind me of one that I felt not, I heard not as a word from God, but as a word from David. And it's one that you mentioned, the uh, answer your phone one. <laughs> um, looking at my call list, which is maybe a very disproportionately missed calls one direction. Did you actually call me the other night, by the way? Yeah, I was trying to text you back, and then it started calling. Okay. And I was like, well, I certainly didn't mean to do that. That's why I was confused. I'm like, <laughs> why is Chris calling me at 8.11 on a Friday evening? This is very out of the ordinary. Yeah, that would be, that's one of those things that's like, when your mom calls you at 11.23 in the morning, and you're like, oh, yikes. Mm-hmm. So. I had to go with Grace, so the professor's mm-hmm. wife. Don't let a mouse make you feel lonely. <laughs> I just, uh, I don't know what, what that's supposed to mean, but. A lot of, I know what it's supposed to mean. A lot of American girls watch Disney princess movies and then spend their whole life looking for Prince Charming. So it's like a r- unrealistic standard for your life set by the mouse himself, Mickey. Oh. Yeah, I oh, know. Okay. In context, in context, it's hard to pick that up, but. It's there. Did you pull up your Ultra 7 commentary? Uh, yeah, actually, I, I, I recorded it. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know. Well, I was talking um, about the book. I mean, you know. It's... Oh, no. Oh, that's funny. No. Um, what did we think for our favorite episode? I'll let you go. 
Okay, well, I'll go. <laughs> go, go, I, go. I definitely, yeah. I mean, that seems to be the obvious one. Uh, I did like that a lot. I also just like Project Blue. Not because hmm. the episode itself was anything like spectacular, but it was like a nice, it was a, it was a good, nice change for the franchise. Yeah. So I'm going to stick with Underground Go, 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 but Project Blue is going to be like, I think if, if I was already developing a top three, at least those two. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if something knocks it out. Yeah. I was going to choose the King Joe episodes because I think they're the best overall. But there's just something really special about Deep in the Earth, go, 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 that mm-hmm. I had to go, go, go with that one. <laughs> right. That's very fair. All right. Ugh. God, I need to, like, shock myself every time I say that. So, Chris, Ugh. I would ask you which episodes we're doing next, but I uh-huh. did not uh-huh. update the outline with the proper episodes oh, no. that we are discussing. We're just redoing this one. Oh, we are. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, because... Well, that'll make it easy. That'll make it very easy. And we'll have someone to jump on while we redo this episode. (laughs) Crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Let me uh, awkwardly pull up the show schedule so I can let everybody know which episodes we're discussing next. Okay. Boom. boom, And once you're done with that, we'll share our theological insights. Oh, yeah. Duh. How did I miss that? Chris, okay, so we're just gonna boom, 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 boom. Well, there are two, and Ooh. one, one, one is unfortunate because I've lost both the episode and the kaiju name. But you know the one where only one person can hear the voice of the kaiju speaking to him. It's just like Paul on the road to Damascus, wherein he had all of these friends with him on their way to persecute Christians, and then. Only he heard the word of the Lord Jesus calling out to him, knocking him off of his horse onto the ground. So, of course, there's that Pauline thing, but I have to go again with the low-hanging fruit. Ultra 7 is a picture of Jesus. Jesus is the true and better Ultra 7, who, just as Ultraman saw humanity in its plight, Ultra 7 came and took on human flesh and became, became Dan for our sakes. Ultra, Ultra 7 became Dan for us. Jesus, too, saw us in our plight, and he became man. And even though Ultra 7 hasn't died on a cross yet, maybe, but Jesus did die on a cross for our sins. He saw us in that pit, and he rescued us from that pit. He brought us up from the abyss back to the surface where we can be with Jesus, the true and better Ultra 7, for eternity. (laughs) Oh, man. I was waiting for you to say Adam or Adam. No, dang it. All right. That was great. Seriously, shock myself every time I say it. That was wonderful, Chris. As always, you make my night when you do that. All right. So for the next episode of ours, we're doing episodes 21 through 29, where, um, wow, this one is a personal attack. We go from pursue the undersea base to the earthling all alone. That's my Tinder profile. My Tinder profile says Chris28, the earthling all alone. Hashtag Ultra 7. Anyone who swipes on that is like, I should just marry marry them, right? Yeah. You have three minutes to reply. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Yes. (laughs) Man, I'm never gonna get a I'm never gonna get a date from this, but it's great. 
Doesn't Ultraman Tinder sound like, and I know Trigger, but I mean, like, doesn't Ultraman Tinder just sound like a new gen Ultra? If anyone's listening to this, we demand fan art. Oh my gosh, yes. Please draw me Ultraman Tinder, whatever that entails. Fan art. That's where I get my tickets from. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Saved by the Bellial is a proud partner of the Tokusatsu Network, the premier news website for all things Tokusatsu related. If you're enjoying our show, we humbly ask that you chant our name over at Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. More important than the reviews, though, we would love to hear from you, whether it's sharing your thoughts on an episode we covered, if we made a mistake, or you really just want us to stop with all the pop culture references, which we you can send us an email at atrociouspod at protonmail.com or head over to atrociouspod.com where you'll find our contact form for listener feedback or even prayer requests. Until next time. May Sevenger watch over you, Wyndham empower you, and King Joe bring you joy. Also, I have to say, it was cool mm. to see that he finally installed his, you know, find my ultra eye because it saved his turkey. Oh my gosh. Get it? Because the robots were gobbling. Oh my gosh. I'm not leaving that one in, but I had to tell you that. Oh, uh, put it after the credits. <laughs>